Do you want to write fiction but don't know where to start? Believe me, I understand. I've stood in your shoes. I've wanted to write amazing stories and wondered if I was even on the right track. I worried and struggled for years. I know what it feels like to have no idea what you're doing. Like everything you write is cheesy and amateurish and you'll never be good enough to sit on the shelves next to the great authors of your time or the classics. But I want you to know there's an answer for you. A way to know that the stories you're writing will resonate with readers. A way to transform from wherever you are now in your writing journey to someone who's universally hailed as talented and a skilled storyteller. Welcome to The Story Savant, the podcast with free writing advice for the aspiring storyteller. I'm going to give you every tool I know to help you become a master storyteller. Every week, I'll bring you tips on story structure, characterization, themes, heroes, villains, and more to automatically make your story resonate with your audience. Stay tuned. We're going to learn to tell amazing stories, and we're going to have a ton of fun doing it. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Today I'm going to talk about the conception of my street game series, which is my crime fiction saga. One thing that I promised, especially to my readers, is that I would talk about where my stories come from, and I've been a little remiss on that. The only one I've done that for is my Kremlin's trilogy. So today I'm going to talk about the inception of street games and how it can help authors and how it can help readers. So come along with me. It's going to be fun. Intro music. Hello there, story savants. How's everybody doing today? So as I said, I promised mostly my readers that I would talk about where my ideas come from for my stories, because when I polled my email list and asked them what they would like to know or what they would like to hear me talk about in the podcast, this was the number one thing I got, just where my ideas come from, how I came up with them, what my relationships to my characters are, things like that. Well, how I came up with street games probably is a little bit less interesting than how I came up with Kremlins, but I still think that it can help aspiring writers because you got to understand that ideas can come from anywhere, absolutely anywhere, and you guys should be taking inspiration from everything around you. Back in the day, authors used to carry around notebooks and pens to write things down. You know, if you're like riding the bus somewhere and you see something interesting, you have to write that down because you'll forget it. You won't remember when you get home. Not as many people actually carry around notebooks anymore, but that's just because we have smartphones. So I I do that. I have scads of Evernote on my phone that are full of story ideas. So street games. Street games is the story. It's a crime fiction. I'm someone who's always been interested in serial killers. There's a lot of us out there who love serial killers, not in a creepy way, but they're just really, really fascinating to us. And I think the reason for that is that they're, they're kind of the worst of the worst. You don't really get a worse villain in a lot of ways than a serial killer. I mean, they're human. They're not monsters, so we can't blame it on that. We can't blame it on primal instinct. We're really fascinated with them because they're so twisted and because they're so evil. And I think we want to know why they become that way, because obviously we all have dark sides and light sides and we can all become that way if we're not careful. I don't remember the exact moment that I had the idea for Street Games, but I know it came from my love of police procedurals on TV. I watched a lot of Criminal Minds and a lot of... CSI back in the day. And I think I just kind of started thinking about it and eventually kind of got the story in my head about a young woman who is posing as a criminal, but who really isn't one. She's undercover in some way. I knew I didn't want her to be an undercover cop. I knew that wasn't how I was, uh, what I was going for, but something more like an investigative reporter or something who's gone undercover for a story. And she finds out something bad. Some bad guys are going to ambush the cops and she gives them some information and then creates this relationship with a detective, which I knew would probably turn romantic in the story. But really, I just thought it would be really intriguing. You know, I wanted the detective to be really intrigued by her and trying to figure out who she is because or she looks like a criminal, but she doesn't really act like one. So that was kind of the premise for it. Once I had that in place, I knew that I needed to have actual backstory for her and conflicts. And I kind of slowly fleshed that out. I actually had her story fleshed out 
a lot more when I wrote the first book than I did the detective story. And that actually is mirrored in the first book because you only get a real, the barest taste of the, what the detective story is going to be at the end of book one. Most of it is about her and it is a short book. It's a little bit longer than the novella length, but it's only about 60,000 words, so it's not terribly long. I actually wrote that first book very fast. Once I had the idea and it really congealed for me, I sat down and I wrote that book in about three days. The, the first draft of it. And it's just because I kind of got into this frenzied state and I really wanted to get it written down. And I did. Of course, after that, I had to go back and do all kinds of editing and everything. What it ended up being about is this young woman, Kyra, has gone undercover in, it's a, I call the city abstruse, and it's sort of loosely based on Vegas. It's in the Nevada desert. And again, that comes from my CSI watching. But it's a, it's a made up city. There's not really a city called that. And I also say that it's sort of the murder capital of the world. So made up city that happens to have a lot of crime in it. And she's searching for her brother who disappeared into a gang. So he's somebody who disappeared into a high risk lifestyle and she's searching for him because he's caught up, cut off all contact with his family. And that explains why she kind of looks like a junkie or a gang member because she's hanging out in the part of the city where if she looked like a soccer mom, that would not be a good thing. But she's really not a bad person. She's kind of, you know, middle class law abiding citizen, you know, but she's there looking for her brother. And then she uh, crosses paths with this cop who's a homicide cop. And he has some demons of his own that have to do with his brother having gone missing when he was very young. Now, Gabe's story actually came from a true story that was very tragic. I've always been big on true crime. Again, another reason why I write crime and mystery. And I watched an episode of a crime docudrama like a million years ago. Seriously, I think I was a kid. I think I was 10 or 12 years old when I watched this episode. And it's the kind of thing that you see on the ID channel or like a 2020 kind of documentary. So they're all over the place now, but I think they were kind of being introduced or it was a new series. And so I watched the first episode, but it really stuck with me. And it was just a really tragic story about two boys who were this is the 80s, very different than today. I grew up in the 80s, so I remember these two boys used to ride their bikes around the neighborhood all the time, and they went to their parents and said, hey, can we ride, ride our bikes down to, you know, a such and such store? It might have been a gas station because they wanted to rent some videos. Anyone my age remembers that. They used to have video rentals at every corner store, and I remember sometimes they had little plastic discs that were, well, they weren't discs, they were like these little plastic rectangles that had the picture of the video on it, and they would be hanging up on pegs, and you had to grab one of those and take it up to the counter, and then they'd give you the VHS video. I don't know if all of you remember that. You have to be my age. I'm totally aging myself, but that's how we used to rent videos when I was a kid. So they wanted to do this. They wanted to run down to the corner, you know, whatever it was, Mart, and, and rent some videos, and that was perfectly okay with their parents because... They did it all the time. It was just a summer night. All the kids were off school. They were out playing, you know, light until nine or 10 o'clock at night. And so they went down to do this. I don't remember whether it was on the way there or the way back, but a man stepped out in front of them and pulled them off their bikes and told them to lay down on the grass. And then he told one of them to get up and run. And he did. He was afraid. He got up and ran. And this man took the other boy. And so this whole episode was about this family and how they have never found that boy. He was a missing boy. And after all these years, he's, I'm sure, presumed dead. I'm sure this was a pedophile or a serial killer, but it was very, very tragic. And they actually had the brother. This happened when this little boy was, again, I, I don't remember the names. I don't remember the ages. I watched this so long ago, but he was like, 
I want to say seven or eight when this happened. And when he was on the show talking about this, he was more like 18. It had been about 10 years. And you could tell he was messed up about it. He he had never gotten over it. And he was, you know, kind of sobbing. And I think that's why it affected me so much because it was so emotional. So I sort of used that template to build Gabe's story in my book. He had a brother who went missing when he was a little boy. And I kind of used a similar experience that happened where he was with his brother and this man showed up and took his brother but left him. And his brother was never found again. But just to throw some mystery into it, I also uh, have this thing where the kidnapper, he doesn't know for sure whether his brother is dead, although he's been presumed dead because most kids that are taken are killed within 24 to 48 hours. It's an unfortunate statistic, but it's true. And he never found out what happened to his brother, but the kidnapper keeps every year on the anniversary of his brother's disappearance, sending him strange packages in the mail. So he knows that the kidnapper is still out there and is kind of taunting him. So you have this mystery of Kyra trying to find her brother in the city and she knows he's there somewhere. She's just got to locate him, but she's undercover in this really homicidal gang. And then she strikes up this relationship with this cop who is very concerned for her safety. And uh, meanwhile, he, you know, what happens with his brother's case and this kidnapper sending him things is going to start to really pick up and some things are going to happen. So you kind of have these dual mysteries, both having to do with um, siblings. And in a way that kind of makes this series uniquely mine. I've talked about before how I grew up with a lot of siblings, so I tend to write ensemble casts. You could actually argue that there are few, fewer characters in this series than there are in a lot of my series. It is mostly about Kyra and Gabe. They're really the only two point of view characters. I think once or twice I go into the killer's points of view, but very briefly, only for like very brief scenes, a few paragraphs. Um, there are, of course, other players, other cops around. There are the gangsters that she meets and she, you know, befriends some people on the street, but they're not point of view characters. But it's still uniquely mine because it's about sibling relationships. And as I've said, I have a very close relationship with my siblings. So that's probably where that comes from. I don't even do it consciously. It's just the way that I end up telling my stories. I've also talked before about how horror is always about a morality play and that it was very much that for me. It was about the love of siblings, but also the things we blame ourselves for that we really shouldn't. And also this idea of redemption. And there is a Christian idea about how every sin needs to be paid for, but sometimes you can pay for those things for someone else if they are not capable of doing it themselves. That doesn't mean that anything bad that they've done just goes away, but you can help them to get through it by in some ways paying for their sins yourself. I'm not going to get into the depth of that kind of doctrine, but that did influence me while I was writing this saga as well. And the main reason I decided to talk about this today is because I just a few weeks ago finished the fifth book and that saga is now complete. I really enjoyed writing it. It was really, really cathartic for me. And the morality part of mystery and horror stories are exactly why I like writing them. I find it cathartic. I find it really, really interesting to explore. And I just had a really good time writing that saga. So yeah, that's basically the evolution of Street Games, how I put the story together. And I hope that people who read it are able to glean something from it that gives them a better understanding of their universe. So yeah, thanks for listening today. I hope you guys check out Street Games. It's available on Amazon and in KU. You can read it for free there. And if not, I hope that you found some value in this episode. Get out there and read or write and connect with some of your emotions. If you would like to support the show as a patron, hop over to www.patreon.com forward slash story savant. If you're big on Facebook, join our Facebook community at bit.ly forward slash story savant Facebook. To get a free PDF of my nine essential plot points for a page turning story, sign up at bit.ly forward slash story savant courses. All these links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today. 
You can find all my fiction on my website at authorlkhill.com forward slash books. If you found value in anything you heard today, do me a favor and go leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best and easiest way that you can thank me and help others to find and be inspired by the same concepts. Together, we can lift each other through our stories to new heights of understanding and compassion for our fellow man and gain an eternal godlike perspective on our own spirituality. So go consume some stories today. I give you permission.